Hello, Peaceful Profits Nation. I'm your host, Chanel Nielsen, and I'm joined today by Pete Magtalo. Pete, thanks for being with us. It's great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, Pete does the marketing for Peaceful Profits, and he has so much wisdom to share. You guys are going to love this episode. So let's start off, Pete. I would love for you to start off by telling us a little bit about your background, what you've done with marketing, and your role here at Peaceful Profits. Sure. I've been a copywriter since about 2006 or 2007. And it's it's actually a really interesting story. When I was in college, I wanted some extra money. So I started looking for projects uh, online to, to write because I was studying at the time uh, history as a, in college and you know getting, getting my degree. And I decided that I could make money from that. So I discovered copywriting in the world of copywriting through that process, uh, trying to make, you know, get a little side hustle going. And eventually I started, uh, you know, copywriting full time. So after you get out of college and you're looking for something to do, the economy wasn't too great at that time. And I jumped into working for myself as a copywriter. And after some time I met Mike and there was a time where we ran an agency together where we did copywriting as an agency. And then I have been helping Mike with his marketing and with the growth of his company's since then, uh, we had a little bit of a break where we weren't working on anything else and we went off to work with some other clients. I've worked with some of the same clients that Mike's worked with. So Success Magazine was one of the clients that I worked with. I worked with Mel Robbins. And I also have a lot of experience in the health and fitness space. So I've worked with a lot of advertisers in the health and fitness space as a copywriter and then going on to being a person who directs marketing for companies. So extensive experience you know, um, in, in that realm. Uh, many years now. And I've been with Peaceful Profits since the start of the business. Uh, and here I am. I am technically the uh, growth advisor, I believe, head growth advisor, chief growth officer. I don't know what we call it in our organizational chart, um, but I help to basically steer the direction of the company and help with our internal marketing things and make sure that we're pointing things in the right direction. So that's kind of the background. And uh, what else have you got? Yeah, perfect. Well, first, I'm curious about history, how his, a, a study of history led you to copywriting. That doesn't seem like uh, I know it, right? Well, where you were going to go. Yeah, I know it. So people always say to you, um, what are you going to do with your college degree? And I didn't have any ideas while I was doing <laughs> it. I just enjoyed doing it. And it's really what you study when you study history. And now we're going back years, right? is you really study, what you're really studying are ideas and people's thoughts about those ideas. So people think it's about what happened, but ultimately if you go do any advanced study in history and get a master's degree or anything like that, a graduate degree, what you're really doing is you're talking about the ideas about the past, right? So what we do in marketing really is, in a lot of ways, we're thinking about how different ideas in the marketplace intersect with each other and then how do we fit ourselves into those ideas that are happening in the marketplace? So if we, if we picture, you know, I don't know if this is going to be a clear correlation or a clear connection for a lot of people listening, but if we picture the marketplace being, it, it's a whole bunch, bunch of people who are shouting at us at once, right? They're shouting, buy this thing, buy this thing. So if you're in the space, if you're a coach, if you're a consultant, if you're someone who is in this marketing space and you're looking out to get clients, when we look at our news feeds on Facebook or when we open up YouTube to watch a video, 
how many times are you bombarded with like the same message, right? All and right. these are all ideas that are out in the marketplace. To me, what I ask myself really, and I think this is where the history background comes in, right? Is how do my ideas and how do the original things that I'm bringing to the marketplace fit in with these other ideas that are going on, right? How do I fit in? How do I stand out? What things do I have that are unique that can contribute to this conversation, right? So you asked, you said, you know, what does the study of history have to do with this? When you study history, what you do is you learn how to make your ideas work within this framework of other ideas that people are contributing. You know, you write books, you write articles, you do research, and your job is to contribute to this growing, I guess, knowledge base, right? This growing archive of knowledge, right? And thoughts about what occurred in the past. Well, what we do as marketers is we're really adding to this growing pile of things, ideas that people are being hit with every day. And I like to think of it as, how do I fit into those things? So that's a great question. Thank you. Well, that's a genius answer. I think it's so cool because so often we think in isolation. We just think of, okay, this marketing, this thing I need to do, this message, instead of looking at that broader picture of how it fits into what everyone else is saying, what has already been done. And so it it speaks to why you're good at what you do, because it's an important component that I know a lot of us are missing. Now, I think there are other things that people are missing in marketing too. And I, I think we'll get into that as we go throughout this episode today. In fact, one of the things that I hear a lot is that when people aren't getting sales, either in the quantity or the quality that they want in their business, they often think it's my marketing. Marketing is where I need to focus. Marketing is what's going wrong. Marketing is the problem. And so let's start off by getting some real clarity around first, what marketing even is. How do you define marketing? So the way I would define marketing is what are the unique things that you're saying or what are the efforts that you're putting in that allow you there are lots of ways to talk about it, but the way I think about it is what are the things that you're saying in a unique way that are allowing you to stand out from all of the other people out there, right? So marketing, I I suppose, is technically all of the efforts that we're putting forward in order to attract attention and eyeballs and clicks and people taking action on our stuff. So many forms of marketing. We can pay for traffic. We can use something like the one book millions method to bring in buyers, right? To help offset advertising costs and afford that traffic that we want to run. We can have a blog. We can do organic marketing. We can have, you know, all sorts of things going on. We can have a podcast, right? But ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, marketing is how are we bringing people into our stuff? And when I think about it, I'm thinking about what are the unique ways we're doing that, that no one else is doing that? How are we allowing ourselves to stand out? What type of ways do we talk about the problems that people have differently? How do we use our personality to be something that is going to attract other people? That's going to be something different. That's not just going to drone into this background of noise and all of the other things out there, right? How are we talking about the way we approach solutions to the problems that people have differently? To me, that's really what marketing is about, right? But ultimately, I would say marketing, it's the efforts that we're using to get attention to our stuff and to turn people who don't know us into 
lifelong fans of our things into buyers of our courses, our products, our programs, whatever it is that we're selling, and then to get them to buy those things again and again, right? That's ultimately what it is. And when I say again and again, ultimately, it's a game, a game, you know, I'm calling it a game, but it's a game of not just acquisition, like not just going out to get people, but it's also a process of uh, lifetime value or making sure that you're nurturing people for a long period of time so that they can continue to come back with you and, and buy again and again. It's not just about acquisition, it's about what we do next. So that's a long definition, but ultimately, you know, I think about marketing as okay, how do we do this? What's the strategy we're using? You know, what type of funnel are we going to use? What type of approach are we going to use? What type of mechanism are we going to use to get people to us and to keep people coming back to us? That's marketing. But the way I think about it is, how are we going to be unique as we do that in one way, as a person, with our personality, with our brand, with the problems that we talk about, with the solutions that we present to those problems? Yeah, so good. And I love this emphasis on the long term, that it's not just this one point. It's not just get them in the door. It's absolutely continue, yeah. start there to build the relationship. When you, when you think about what it takes to actually grow a business, it's actually quite simple. Let's say I want to get to seven figures in my business, right? Very, very simple. You get people into your business, you offer them something for sale, you get those people to purchase again. That's all you need, right? And many people focus all of their, they get excited about acquisition efforts or they get excited about getting traffic or putting this thing out there or getting a new coaching student, but they neglect the most important part, which is really lifetime value, right? So for most marketers, the most expensive thing that you're going to do and the thing that's going to cause you the most stress and the most headache and the most problems is how to get somebody into your business, right? How do I get someone in? So we'll talk about it if we want to talk about it in terms of cost per acquisition. How much did it did it cost for me to acquire a customer or acquire a lead? That's the most expensive thing that you'll ever do as a business owner, right? And it's actually cheaper now um, over the last 10 years than it's ever been in the history of mankind, right? To acquire mm. a customer in terms of actual cost, right? Because think about how much Facebook advertising has opened it up to anybody to be able to do that, right? If I wanted to acquire a customer in the past, what did I need to do? If I was a direct marketer, if I wanted to talk direct to the market, I would have had to like get a mailing list, send yeah. postcards in the mail, right? Uh, we don't have to do that anymore. So that's created a unique environment that we live in right now where because anybody can access these advertising tools, there is more noise than ever, right? And people are getting, because of their exposure to new forms of media that have developed, you know, there's all this noise everywhere. But ultimately, even though it's cheaper than it has ever been to go out and get a customer, and I would say that cost is actually rising now because more people are getting on these platforms, it's still the most stressful and expensive thing you'll do in your business. Go get a customer. So my question would be, if you're going to go out and do that, why don't you, why aren't you investing in keeping that customer with you and making sure your relationship with that customer from the time they buy is amazing. So they keep coming back to you again and again to nurture them in ways that keeps them coming back to you to get more help, to buy more things that you have. Right. So it's really a long-term play. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That is a gem right there. That's so good. Investing in keeping that customer. I think that's really powerful. And I think it speaks in part to 
offer creation in the first place, how you are structuring your offer, what you're doing once you get people in the door. I know Mike talks a lot about not trying to outmarket a bad offer. So can you talk to us a little bit about the relationship between the offer and marketing? Yeah, absolutely. So we'll talk about this, I think, in terms of Let's talk about it in terms of mistakes that people make. I think that's a okay. good way to frame this. So a big mistake that people make when they go out and they think about how they're going to do their marketing is they they pick up a book or so say they buy Mike's book, The One Book Millions Method. That's amazing, right? You bought this book about how to use a book to replace your marketing. That's a promise that sells that book because it's really what Mike has done, right? He's used a book to replace all the complexity of marketing and sales in his business. Doesn't need a webinar, doesn't need a VSL, doesn't need a blog. Right now, as of the time that we're recording this, Peaceful Profits, the business, doesn't even really have a website. It's just the book, right? Think about the simplicity and how amazing that is. So you get excited about something like that. Or let's say you're not excited about Mike's idea. You're excited about the latest and greatest other thing you've learned from another guru, from another person who's saying, here's a new method I'm using to get customers. This is amazing. You should do it. It's this special type of video. It's this special type of webinar. It's this special type of process that you've never tried before. And so we come at these things, at this, these marketing things, with these really, really wide open eyes. And there's the, these shiny objects, right, that are all glistening at us and promising riches and all amazing things are going to happen if you apply them. And we tend to do those things first. So I'm I'm not saying everybody does this, but most people, I would say, they look at these, these marketing objectives that they want to undertake. They look at these ways of getting customers. They put those first and they forget that none of that matters if your offer on the back end of your business, the thing that you're going to offer them next is either number one, non-existent, number two, broken or fundamentally flawed in some way, or three, just something that people don't want, right? So people tend to put, in, in my observation, having done this over the last you know, 15 years or so, I've seen more and more people putting the marketing first, right? Instead of putting what needs to go first, the offer, because in a lot of ways, the offer determines what your marketing can do. But more importantly than that, if we go back to our last conversation, if you don't have, you could have a great front end marketing machine going, you could be bringing people to your stuff. But if you have something that they don't want, you're basically wasting your efforts because you're adding people to your, you know, to your audience, to your email list, maybe to your business. And, and you might be offering them something on the back end of that that they don't want. And that's just one, one problem, right? So I would say this one mistake that most people make that I would say, don't make this mistake if you are a marketer is don't put your marketing before the offer. Because if you are building your marketing on a shaky foundation, if you think about the offer as a foundation, the marketing's probably not going to work that well. And you're putting the cart before the horse, right? You're putting acquisition before how do I give people after I've acquired them the thing that they would like to buy from me next, the thing that they would like to do next, right? So um, in that in that case, I'm thinking about offer as being like, what is, what is, um, what is the shape or the 
nature of the problem that you're solving? How is the solution that you have different from what other people have? What am I going to present to people when I say, hey, here's your problem. Here's the solution that I have. And then how do I deliver on that? What does it look like? What do the systems I have in place to deliver that offer look like? I suppose uh, that's what I'm thinking about. So, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So really starting with the offer is the most important piece is what I'm hearing you saying that you can, that you're marketing, that everything that you do after is going to be determined by what you have in this offer. That's, that's basically what I'm saying. So if we simplify it down and we say, all right, what is, what is offer? Offer is ultimately it's what you're saying you're going to do for your buyer, right? It's how you're going to go about doing that, the methodology that you're going to use. It's the way that you, in your offer, the way that you fit yourself into that space inside of the market. There's, there's consideration for that inside of your offer. And then we can also talk about things like what sorts of promises do you have to make in order to sell your offer? So if I make an offer, a great offer is going to have, you know, a few components. I'm going to say something like, look, if you're a coach and you are looking to get more clients, that's one part of the offer. Okay. This is who it's for, and this is what they want. Now we're going to talk to what I'm going to give you, right? If you're a coach and you're looking to get more clients, I can help you 20 clients per month. That's the next thing, right? It's a good specific promise. And then after that, you say something like, using my unique framework of some sort. And I can guarantee, now we're going to really spice up our offer, right? Let's say this is an offer for a service that I have, right? If you're a coach and you're looking to get clients, I can make sure that you get 20 to 40 new clients a month using Pete's special client getting protocol, right? That's kind of like insert special thing there, unique thing that no one else has, right? And now let's spice it up by saying, I guarantee that you'll get those clients if you hire me to do this service, right? And if you don't, I'll give you your money back, right? Or something like that. And then I go out in the world and I sell this for $10,000 a month. That's an offer, right? And so let's think for just a minute about all the constraints or the ability to, the, the things I haven't constrained myself with, the ability to go out and, and, and basically expand on what I've just said, right? The constraints or, or the things that aren't constraining me that are related to that offer specifically, right? So based on what I just said, right? I am looking, I can help you if you're a coach, I can help you get 20 to 40 clients per month using Pete's special protocol and I guarantee that it's going to happen or I'll give you your money back. Think about for just a minute, all of the things I either worked myself into or worked myself out of because I made that offer, right? What people often don't think about is they don't think about how what I just said could potentially either limit my ability to market myself, help my ability to market myself, right? Or more importantly, create all sorts of stress and frustration for me later on, or create really easy fulfillment situations and less stress later on, right? So if I say that, if I make my offer framed that way, let's think for a minute, what 
problems have I created or what things have I made easier for myself with marketing, right? So if marketing's going out and getting a person for this offer, and I'm making the promise that I'll get you 40 clients a month if you're a coach, right? And I guarantee that it'll work. My, my job as a marketer is going to be really easy, right? Because everybody's going to say, yes, please. Thank yeah. you. Right. But if I don't like, what if I don't fully have or understand the pathway that I'm going to use to fulfill on that promise? I may have just created a fulfillment environment for myself that's going to be a nightmare later on. Right. And here's the thing, though, like, because perhaps I bring in a client with that amazing promise who I can't get 40 clients a month from for, right? And now they've yeah. worked with me for two or three months and they've paid me $30,000. And now all of a sudden I have to give that money back, right? I made this really great promise in my marketing because of the offer that I created and it got me clients for low cost, right? And I'm so excited, but now I can't sleep at night, right? And I can't pay, you know, like I've got all this money that I made. I've already spent it, right? And it's just a very frustrating fulfillment environment. Now, if we think like, okay, how can we fix that, right? Like, how can we fix our offer so that it doesn't create those frustrations later in fulfillment, but it still allows us to make promises that bring in people from a marketing perspective, right? It's a balance. And so I can't remember where we started this, right, with these mistakes, but ultimately there's that connection there. You have to weigh... You have to weigh your ability to fulfill on what you're saying, your the unique place that you put yourself in the marketplace, what everyone else is saying and how you fit into it with what you need to say to be able to sell it. And all of these things kind of work in balance. Because if you come into the market and you say, you make the, that kind of broad claim, if you're a coach, I can get you 20 to 40 clients a month guaranteed, right? Or I'll give you your money back. And you haven't considered inside of your offer, all right, who are the specific types of coaches I can do this for, right? Maybe I only know how to do this if you're helping people with this very specific type of coaching. Like if you are a holistic health coach who works in this very specific thing, or maybe I can only bring in 40 clients a month for people who are freelance copywriters, right? Uh, then you can narrow it down, right? So if I change my offer and I say, if you are a freelance copywriter who's currently doing $10,000 a month or more, right? Now I've made it more narrow, right? And now I've basically refined in on who my ideal client is and who I think I can better fulfill this for. So later on, I don't have, you know, someone in my offer, right? In my program, right? My coaching program, let's say this offer is for coaching, not a coaching program, but in my service, I don't have somebody who took my service and is basically a graphic designer, who I have no clue how to get clients for, right? Um, now my fulfillment environment is better. So it's kind of a complicated concept I'm walking through, but uh, that's essentially how I see the the relationship working. Yeah, well, you know, you're bringing in so many different elements, which I think is interesting because what I hear you saying is like marketing is a piece of the puzzle. We've got offer, we've got marketing, we've got sales, which we haven't talked too much about, and we've got fulfillment. And they need to support one another. It, it, they don't, none of them work in isolation. So I would love for you to go just a little bit deeper. One of the things that you mentioned is like, okay, the first example you gave us of 20 to 40, you know, I'll help you get 20 to 40 clients. And I guarantee that this will happen for you. You said that like, that's going to be really hard to fulfill on, but by changing 
the audience that would make it easier to fulfill on? I think if you could talk us through a little bit more, what shifts in the offer in this example, like how would that shift in what you're offering actually change the fulfillment and, and how does that all work together to make it easier? Give us an example of one that would work really well. Yeah, absolutely. So if we want to talk about the things that basically create better fulfillment environments, really what it comes down to for for me, like if we want to isolate one principle, is let's say that our offer in that example, like we have we have a service, right? And our service is client getting, and we know that we can go out with our unique method and we can get those 20 to 40 clients per month. If I go to a let's let's say I'm going to someone who's a physical therapist. Let's pick two different ends of the spectrum. So you're a physical therapist, right? Yeah, right. And on the other side, I have a copywriter, the freelance copywriter, or maybe a graphic designer. The methods that I'm going to need to use as the person offering this service to get clients for the physical therapists are going to be different than the methods that I have to use to get people for freelance writers or graphic designers, right? Okay. So the where the place fulfillment comes in right here is now i'm going to have to reinvent my offer delivery process my service delivery really every single time i do it mm. because when i went out in the marketplace and i made that general promise i brought in a physical therapist i brought in a graphic designer i brought in a freelancer i brought in a guy who does roofing contracting <laughs> right and now all of a sudden i have all these clients and i'm like I know how to f- I know how to go out and get freelance clients, right? Like I know how to go get people clients who are freelance writers. I have no idea how to go get roofing contractor leads, right? Let it- so that's an extreme example, but it happens at really really small levels, right? Like it doesn't happen at those levels of extremes cuz most people in the marketplace when they come up with their offer, they come up with their service or their coaching program, they have a pretty good idea of who they want to serve. So perhaps, you know, knowing it a little bit and maybe even without knowing it people do they they do define it but in some cases they don't really define it enough right and what you end up with is having to reinvent what you do over and over again to fit like the specific needs of you know specific types of people so i mean we're really talking about fulfillment right now but it's like offer is so closely tied to this you know yeah. like it it's because you can make marketing promises all day long you can make bigger marketing promises all day long and bigger offers all day long you can go buy a book about how to make an amazing offer and you can say all right i need to add more scarcity and more urgency and more bonuses and i need more more guarantees on this and you know i've got to name it just right and i have to like make sure there's all this risk reversal and all this stuff but you have to ask yourself are you doing it at the expense of bringing in too many of the wrong types of people? So ideally, what we want to do is make sure that our offer, like, so the the term that we want to, or the, the thing that we want to think about here is the offer determines the shape of your business, right? So the offer you make determines how everything else in your business is going to run, right? Yeah. It's going to determine fulfillment. It's going to determine your sales. It's going to determine your marketing, you know, and you have to, <clears throat> you have to make those considerations when you start, you know? Yeah. Okay. That's so good to really hone in on 
the foundational pieces on getting that offer right so that everything else comes into you know where it needs to be in your business so that the shape of your business is supported by each of these elements. Now, when we started this conversation, one of the things that you talked about when you were defining marketing is this idea of talking about the problem, talking about the solution in your marketing, in your in in your communication to the people you're talking to. Anything else that you would speak to about that the actual mechanics of going out there and saying the things about your offer. What do you see people doing wrong in this space or what are some ways we can do it right? Sure. Yeah. So when we talk about offer, all right, just to be clear about about the whole thing, the way I'm looking at it here is this is going to be like what you're offering on the back end of your business, right? So you're, and it can also be, it can also be your, your front end stuff is an offer too, but Ultimately, let's talk about this as a coaching program or service, right? So when people go out and they create these things on the back end of their business, a coaching program, a service, a thing that they're doing, could be an agency, whatever, they are, or, or a big course, it could be a, you know an online course, anything, they often get really, really excited about, okay, here's, here's what I can do, here's the problem that I can solve, here's how I can, I can solve it for my clients. But what they forget or what they do poorly, I would say, is figure out what makes what they're doing different than what everyone else is saying to do, right? So what we end up with at the end of the day, and people people listening to this probably see this everywhere, you end up at the end of the day at all levels of these businesses, a whole bunch of offers that just simply look the same, right? Mm -hmm. How many people are there out there who or coaches and consultants can show you how to, we could think of any problem, right? Like here's how to run Facebook ads, right? Here's how to run YouTube ads. How many people are out there saying, I have a coaching program that can show you how to run YouTube ads. There's a point where all of those courses, all those coaching programs, they start to look the same, right? So what I think we have to do ultimately is we have to look at where are the unique places that we can fit ourselves into the marketplace and frame our offer in a way so that for our ideal client, it comes off as the most logical fit for them, given what they've experienced, given the other problems that they've had, the other solutions that they've tried to potentially solve this, this problem that they have that you're solving with your program, how to run YouTube ads as an example. We have to think about what they've experienced. We have to think about what they're seeing. We have to think about the conversations that they're having with other marketers and realize that our offer does not exist in a vacuum. And we have to say, what are the things that I do different? And the way I start with this is the way a lot of copywriters start with it, a lot of people who create offers, is I think about, all right, well, what's the unique way we approach the problem at hand that other people are not approaching this problem? What makes my approach to the problem unique? Offers are really just, in this context that we're talking about them, it's a matter of problem and solution. You have a problem, I have a solution. This is how I'm going to help you get that solution. This is what life is going to be like once that solution is is complete, right? It's going to be amazing. Here are the features and the benefits. Here are the details. Come get it. That's an offer, right? We can add all sorts of stuff to that, but ultimately we have to look at, number one, What's the unique way I'm approaching this problem within the context of how other people are talking about it, within the context of the marketplace, 
right? Within the broader conversation that they're having with other people, we don't exist in a vacuum. And what's the unique way that I approach the solution that other people are not thinking about, right? So that's, I think that's one way uh, to hone in on that. Do you? Yeah. Do you find that when you're having these conversations with, with business owners who are trying to understand this in their own business, why is my approach unique? What, what am I doing differently? Is it hard for people to come up with? Sometimes, but it's often hiding right under your nose. Mm. So one place of these unique things can come from a, uh, I would say creation like story, right? Every, like, here's where I might look for something like this. Everyone who sells something, it's an offer like we're talking about, every coach, every service-based business, every agency, they have a unique story that no one else has, right? So this is actually something you see in a lot of marketing. Have you ever seen like, and you see it in front-end stuff too. So this doesn't, these this conversation doesn't just apply to, you know, coaching programs. This can right. also apply to if you're selling a book or whatever. But ultimately have what I'm looking at here is, have you ever seen how some people are like this unique, this unique story or this unique past experience allowed me to disco- to discover this new way of thinking or yes. this new way of looking at things, right? Of course. Yeah. It's like, that's where those things can come from. It can come from our, I guess, our story, right? And one of the places where I look or I like to pinpoint where do these unique things exist? come from, right? Where can we create a unique solution to this problem or a unique way of thinking about this problem that you haven't thought about before? And then a unique solution to that problem, right? Where can it come from? One place is story, right? One place is here's my experience and your experience is unique. And that's often where it comes from. So I often guide people and tell them to look at that, right? The other place that you can find them is in the experiences of the people that you've worked with and the unique things that you've helped them discover, right? So what we might look at is if I'm an expert, right? And I'm looking to create my coaching program for the first time, and I want to package up my expertise and go out and help other people. Perhaps I've been helping people one-on-one, and now I want to have a coaching program where I can help 100, 200, 300 people at a time. I might look to some of the people that I've helped and looked at their unique experience with me and draw inspiration to that to say, okay, well, this is a unique way that we went about solving that problem or approaching that problem, right? This is a different way we thought about the problem itself. This is a different way we thought about coming up with a solution. Perhaps I can draw some inspiration from that. Perhaps I can tell a story related to that that can then help go and support my marketing of this offer, right? So when we think about these things, I often think about them in in those two sorts of contexts to start because those are easy places to go look for those things. And really... It's about, for me, the other approach, a third approach would be asking yourself, what is the ongoing conversation that's going on, right? You Like everybody reads a book. Like let's just put make this about books. Let's say you're writing a book and you want to make a better pitch for your book, right? You want to make a better offer. Like in this book, I will help you solve this problem so that you can have this outcome. We want to make an offer about the book, right? You read other books all the time and you might think to yourself, well, I would have done that a different way. Right. And the question is like, okay, how, right? How would you have done it a different way? Yeah. That's now you've just, you know, I might have approached that problem a different how. And the question is why? And the answer is because you are a unique person with unique experiences that no one else can bring to the table. You have a knowledge that no one else has. Right. So it's really a matter of asking your, 
yourself those questions is what are this is this third point right if you go beyond story and beyond the experience of your clients the third thing you could do is you could say what has happened to this point in the marketplace what is the existing body of knowledge and advice as it were when it comes to this problem and the ways people are approaching these solutions and then what can i add that no one's saying right now right and that's ultimately where where i think a lot of these uh, unique things that we're talking about lie Oh, so good. And I love what you've just shared because it's so actionable. So for listeners, you can take these, you can use these and everything that we've talked about to this point ties in to that. It's part of the bigger picture. And I, I appreciate that so much, Pete, that you have really brought that all together, that marketing is not something we do in isolation, that it's only going to work if we've got the fulfillment piece right, if we've got the offer right, if we have all of it together and working together to build the business that we want to build. So thank you for that. As we wrap up, any final thoughts that you would share on on the things that we've talked about today or things that you hope people take from this episode? One thing that I would say is you have to ask yourself, how am I unique, right? There is just too much noise in the marketplace to enter any type of sales conversation or marketing conversation with pro prospects. There's just too much noise for you to enter that conversation and just have something that is more of the same. Like, please don't do it. It, it, it We've had enough, right? So yeah. if you... And the, the problem is, as, as advertising algorithms and computers get better at showing people's eyeballs the content that they want to see, things start to look the same, right? If you go and you, you go to William Sonoma's website, you search for a frying pan, and you look at this amazing all-clad D5 frying pan that you want to buy, and you go and you look at another one, and then you log back onto Facebook, you're going to see 15 ads for frying pans in a row, yeah. right? What makes your frying pan different? You know, it's how are you going to help your frying pan stand out from the crowd? That's what's happening right now. Like advertising and marketing is getting to the point where people are seeing a lot of the same stuff. What can you do to stand out in and be unique. That's ultimately what I would say. Oh, so good. Listeners, I hope you're taking notes. If not, go back, re-listen, put this into action. There's so much that you can implement from the things that you've heard today. Pete, thank you for being here and for sharing this with us. I loved being here. Thank you so much. Thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye.